While you're standing, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter number 5, verses 38 through 48 will be our foundational text for this morning. Matthew chapter number 5, verses 38 down through verse 48. When you arrive, you can say amen. We'll read first and then we'll pray. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do, you, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity that I have this morning to bestow the riches of your glory, your word, your holy word, your word which will never fade, which will never ever be destroyed. Father, we come in holy reverence this morning. Father, we don't come joking. We don't come, Father God, flippantly. Father, we come with an attitude of understanding that you are a holy God. We fear you, Lord. We fear your word. Because you said, Lord, that your word will outlast every and anything. And it is strong, powerful, living, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, it is cutting the soul and spirit. Lord, the word of God, Lord, is why we're here today. Because we know at this moment and at this critical hour, you have a word for your people. So, Lord, take this broken vessel. Take me, Lord, your servant who desires nothing more than to be used by you. Take my lips, take my mind, take my thoughts, oh God, and may they reflect your will, Lord. All of you and none of me. Glorify yourself, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. We have been in a series all month because February is typically known of the love known as the Love Month. And so we have been talking about love. Uh, the title of our series is Loved to Love series. 
And so we have been talking about a whole host of things. Uh, last week we dealt with loving your brother, loving one another. And the first week of this, uh, of this series, we talked about God's incredible love. And today we want to talk about a subject that I think is very difficult, but, let, but yet life-changing. And that subject is loving our enemies. How many of you are really excited about loving your enemies? How many of you would say that you have some enemies? Yeah, you have some enemies, and you will know a little bit. Just in case you're doubting, you'll find out by the conclusion of this sermon. But I understand that what I'm embarking upon this morning is a very difficult task. Because I understand and I know that it is very easy to love people that treat you right. It's very easy to respond back to people when they reciprocate that same kind of love to you. That's an easy thing, and I understand that. But it's a whole nother story when you talk about loving your enemies. See? Because that's a foreign concept. In the world's way of thinking, that is like an oxymoron. I mean, you don't love your enemies. I mean, ain't but one thing you do with your enemies. You take them by the throat, you kill them, you destroy them, you defeat them, you let them know who's boss. It's the way the world thinks. You know, kids, you know, we grew up, and some of you remember, somebody hit you, you hit them back. If somebody assault your character, whatever, you get them back. Because in today's society, it's a wimp who lets somebody take advantage of them. But is that really the truth? As it relates to the gospel, how many know that Jesus Christ is very powerful? He was meek. But I would surmise to you that it takes a lot more strength to control yourself and not to respond back than to respond in a very negative way. So we, as we talk about this subject, I, I know you, some of you, and, and I'm going I'm to say some things today that's going to cut to the core. And, and, and my prayer today is that when you hear it, that you don't say, not me, not me. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, just say, Lord, that's me. And then figure out a way to make it right. Because how many know that the word of God is like a hammer? It crushes. And sometimes it needs to crush us so that we can be fully partakers of the divine benefit. And so Jesus said this, just in case we all have forgotten. I think sometimes that we always need to make sure that we don't forget. It's easy to forget some things when you've been in the faith for a little while. But Jesus said this, and you can just jot it down in Matthew 10, 22. He said this, all nations will hate you because you are my followers. <laughs> That's New Living Translation. All nations will hate you, not because you did anything to them, but simply because you're making a decision to be a follower of Christ. How many of you realize that's what you signed up for? You enlisted for that. And you can't get out, by the way. Okay. John 15, 18 says this. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. So Jesus now is making a point here. He's, he's, he's drawing a very, very clear distinction that when we decide that we want to become bona fide followers of Christ, you and I are going to incur enemies of our souls. Sometimes these enemies will like you not because of, well, not like you, not because you've done something to them, but simply because of what you represent. 
Your value system, if you're walking with him, how many of you are walking with him today? <laughs> All right. You know, when you're walking with him, your value system goes counter to the way the world thinks. Your value system is rooted in Christ, and by the very nature of who you are, they don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. They don't like you when you tell people nowadays that you're a Christian. How I many you know that it's becoming more and more popular that, that people don't like you that much more? I think I butchered the English language there, but I think you got it. It's going to become clearer that people are not going to like you more and more, particularly for those who are really going to walk with God. Because, you know, we got some folk that's still trying to straddle the fence. And, and you know, and, and you're just not going to be productive. Let's just be very frank if you're in the kingdom at all. But see, the thing of it is, is that when you decide to say that, you know what, Christ is Lord of my life, I'm going to walk with him, understand that you're going to incur some enemies. People are going to hate you. You're going to hate, people are going to hate you. And you got you to gotta figure out a way to navigate that. Not look at that and say, well, you know what, I'm going to try to acquiesce to the way that they think, or I'm going to compromise to some extent because I don't want to lose my friendships. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to offend anybody. Well, the problem with that, I got to look Romans 12:1 right in the face, which says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if from, in order for me to love my enemies, how many know loving my enemies does not mean that I compromise who I am? See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that true love rejoices in truth. See? So because I, I love you don't mean that I compromise who I am. And, and you ought never to compromise who you are as a, as a Christian, as somebody who is light in a very, very dark world. And so we understand this concept that when you talk about, when you and I talk about this issue of loving our enemies, I know it's very difficult. I know it's very hard. But here's what I've, I've learned as a Christian, that the, the true blessing of God, the true power of God, the true anointing of God, the true favor of God, the true God using you, it comes through the difficult places. It, it comes through obedience. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's obeying God when it's hard. How many know what I'm talking about? Obeying God when everything in you don't want to do it. Obeying God when your flesh is screaming at you, don't do it. Obeying God when your emotions are in turmoil and when, when you find yourself in compromising situations, when people are looking at you, and people are, make, in some cases, making fun of you. They're mocking your God. These are people that you like, people that you know, and you consider your friends. Sometimes they will they'll kick you to the curb, or they don't want to hear what you have to say. question is, what are you going to do then? What are you going to do? What does God have to say about enemies? What, what does the word of God, how, Pastor Gary, do I handle my enemies? Does the Bible has anything to say about my enemies? I mean, God, Pastor, what do I do when I know that there's people out there who are plotting my demise? They hate my guts. They assassinate my character. They talk about me like a dog. Pastor, do you go, what does Jesus expect from me? What does he expect from me? How do I handle that? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
we have some answers for you today. Looking at our foundational text this morning in Matthew chapter number five. Jesus starts off Matthew chapter five saying things like, you have heard. See, in the Old Testament, yeah, they had certain laws and there were laws that was really governed, was supposed to have been handed down by the government in terms of how people were to be treated when they committed crimes. And so uh, there was a lot of laws that was instituted so that, that to make sure that the crime fit the punishment. Amen? And so Jesus is saying that you have heard, and he said, you've heard that eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, which, by the way, the Bible never, ever taught, even in the Old Testament, that we're supposed to go out and just seek revenge on people like that. But yet people see what they want to see. Amen? I said people see what they want to see in the word of God. And so Jesus said, you, you have heard. Here's what you've heard. Now, how many know Jesus, he always comes to set the record straight. He said, now, you have heard, whether you've been taught through your traditions or the scriptures have been misrepresented, you have heard it said, watch this, where am I? Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many of you have ever heard that? Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, but I say unto you. In other words, I'm going to set the record straight. This is what I want you to do. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Well, I think in order to do the text justice, we must first discover who are our enemies. Interesting to say that, interesting thing that Jesus says there is uh, he says, Love your enemies, plural. <laughs> it's like, I got grace for one enemy, Lord, but we mean enemies. Mm, that means he's leaving no stone left unturned. It says, love your enemies. So I thought I would do a little bit of research and discover what enemy is. Here is how we define enemy. Now, I want you to hear this. An enemy is one that is antagonistic toward another. One seeking to injure, overthrow, confound an opponent. Something that is harmful and, yes, can even be deadly. All right? Let's do that again. How do we define enemy? It's one that is antagonistic toward another person, persistent, bother them. One seeking to injure. To overthrow, confound an opponent, something harmful or negative. So, so then let's look at the verse in this context when Jesus says it, when he talks about loving your enemies. Here's, what, here's the interpretation of what Jesus is saying. Love those who seek to do you harm, who seek to injure or harm you in some way, who, whose aim is to overthrow you and to make life hard for you. Jesus' response is, Love them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did y'all hear that? I don't think y'all I got to read that one more time. Love those who seek to do you harm. All right? The one seek to do. In other words, their mission is to harm you in some way, to injure you, and to overthrow you and make your life difficult. Jesus says, I want you to love them. I mean, no, that's, that's a challenge. 
Well, Pastor, you say, well, Pastor, that's not fair. I mean, really? I mean, you mean to tell me, uh, you know, this sister, they've been doing all these, uh, brother, they've been doing all these things to me, and you're telling me that I need to love them? That's not right. Well, you know, it wasn't right either that God put his son up on that cross, but he did it. If you really want to, do we really want to have that discussion? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it wasn't right that God put his son up on that cross and nailed him so that you could be sitting here looking pretty. Amen? Having eternal life, having a destiny, and having purpose. It wasn't fair, but God did it. So we don't want to have the discussion about fairness. And so when God calls us to love our enemies, I really want you to understand that. And I want you to think about, are there any enemies in your house? When I say your house, I'm talking your head, your brain, your sphere of influence. And I want you to, I want you to think on those things because God got a word for you this morning. Shall we keep reading? Amen. Now watch, he says this. We talk about enemies. These are enemies. Ones who plot against your success. Sometimes they're your family members. Somebody say amen. Jesus said the enemies are sometimes those of your own household. <laughs> they, wish, they wish you ill and they pray, P-R-E-Y, for your demise. They seek to destroy your reputation. Jesus says love them. But then let's, he goes a little step further. Now, Jesus, it's almost like, for lack of better words, I hope you can understand what I'm trying to do here. But it's almost like Jesus just keeps. It's like he just poked the thing in. He just keeps turning it. And he keeps driving it deeper and deeper. Because now he takes a step further. He says, now, now bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. So that has to do with people that say harmful things about you. Jesus telling you to choose to speak well of them. Even though you know of and you've heard them say some terrible things about you. Oh, did you see what Brother John did? Oh, they're just no good. They're terrible. They're this and they're that. And you hear about it. And your temptation is, is to go and set the record straight. I'm going to go and let them have it. Or your temptation is, I'm going to do to them what they're doing to me. And whenever you do that, you lose your ability to influence. You lose your place of anointing. Whenever you go and try to, I'll show you here in a second, try to have to fight your own battles instead of trusting God. How many know God can fight your battle better than you can? Because you'll mess it up. You'll lose it. He says, so, so if I'm going to bless those who curse me, so when they say bad things about me, I'm going to flip that thing. If they start saying, well, you know, they said that you were this and they said that you were that. Oh, really? Well, you know what? One thing I like about Brother John, he comes to work on time. And you know, he got a beautiful family. How many know the people gonna look at you like, did you just hear me? Did you not just hear what I just said? They, they, they've been talking about you. They've been saying some bad things about you. Did you not hear that? Yeah, but I'm choosing not to lash out at them. I'm going to choose to bless them with good words. Oh, come on, say amen. I, I know I'm hitting some spots now, but that's okay. We'll keep it. Well, let me give you some scripture references to help you out. Amen. We don't want to leave you out there. We want to help you out. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. Watch. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your what? Mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Interestingly enough, Jesus did not discriminate with that verse. He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. 
So whenever you enter into bad communication, speaking negatively about other people, talking behind their backs, doing all that, guess what you have done? You have entered into an arena, watch this, whereby God cannot use you the way he would like to use you. I'm going to give you another verse to help you out. First Peter verses, chapter 2, verses 22 through verse 23. Watch this. This will help you real good. Talking about Jesus, who committed no sin. How many know Jesus committed no sin? Nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, watch this, when he was reviled. That word reviled means verbally abused. Have anybody here ever been verbally abused? When he was verbally abused, did not verbally abuse in return. How many of you want to be like Jesus? That's how you be like Jesus. When he suffered, I know I'm preaching good this morning, but that's okay. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But watch this. But he committed himself to him who judges rightly. He just said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you to fight this battle. God, I ain't, I'm, I'm, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to verbally abuse them. I know they've been talking about me. I know they've been abusing me. And they missed, how many of you have ever been lied on? I and mean, you hate to be lied on. Come on, say amen. amen. How many know Jesus was lied on? Did it not lie on him? Oh, he was, boy, he was lied on. But you remember right before he got ready to die when they were sitting there heralding all these false accusations against him? And Jesus, the Bible said he was like a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't say nothing. You know why? Because when you know you're walking right, you don't, you, don't have to do, you don't have to say nothing. When you know you're walking in your integrity, when you know you're walking with God, you don't have to run and try to go, let me help you understand. You don't have to go and rehearse in the mirror how you're going to try to tell somebody off. Listen, you could just say, you know what, Lord? Here's what they did. Here's what they said. Here's what I want to do, God. I'm going to trust you to overthrow them and, or do whatever you need to do to get them straight. What I'm going to do, God, I'm going to be faithful and I'm not going to stoop to their level. <laughs> That's deep, isn't it? You see, because the enemy always want to bring you down in the dirt. You ever notice the people in the dirt that like to pull you in the dirt with them? You ever notice that? You know, anytime you lose it, you lose control, you know what you just did? You just allow yourself to go where? Right in the mud. And nobody getting no breakthrough. But when you're able to stand in the midst of all of that, stand your ground and walk with God and represent Christ well, guess what? God get the glory and you, you gain a level of victory and a level of maturity that your enemy will be baffled about. But how do you know that the people, people, they usually have to have somebody else to fight with. Amen. They can't, they don't like, people don't like to fight by themselves. Come on, somebody. They don't like to fight by themselves. Now, watch this. Now, let's, let's take it a step further. Jesus said, so now we understand that now, you know what? I'm not going to. So if somebody been talking about you, saying some bad things about you, don't go back at them. Don't talk. Speak, speak well of them. You speak well of them because the Bible says, bless and curse not. Bless and curse not. So we want to be like Jesus. Here's the fourth thing that Jesus said. Do good to those who hate you. Okay, do good to those who hate you. Okay, what is hate? 
intense hostility and extreme dislike. That's what hate is. <laughs> He's a do good to those who have intense hostility and an extreme dislike for you. Do good to them. Have compassion on them. If you see them on the side of the road with a flat tire, stop the car and help your enemy out. If you see that your enemy have a need and you got the capacity to help them meet the need, help them out. Do good to those that hate you. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about people you like, folks. I'm talking about people that don't like you and you know it. And you know it. He says, do good to them. So, so I'm thinking of ways of how I can be a blessing to my enemy. Do good to them. Have compassion on them. Treat them with respect. Watch this. Even if they don't respect you. Somebody say, ouch. Is this easy, anybody? You need supernatural grace for this. And help is on the way. Help is on the way. Now watch. Jesus takes it a little further. Because he don't stop there. You know Jesus. He knows how to do it, right? He just keeps it going. It's like, Lord, if you would have stopped there, I might have been okay. But he goes a step further. <laughs> he said, now, and pray for those who spitefully, everybody say spitefully. Use and persecute you. Pray for. Anybody know what pray for means? See, when you pray for your enemies, here's what you pray. Lord, help them to see your love. God, help them to see your truth. God, I pray for their salvation. God, I pray that you would keep their family well, Lord, so that you can save them. God, I pray that you will bless his family. Help them see, Lord, I know that they, they, they meant me no good, Lord. I know that they're after me. But, Lord, I'm going to pray that you would open their eyes to your truth. And I'm also going to pray for me, Lord, that you would give me the grace to love my enemy just as you would. Amen. Pray for your enemies. He says, spitefully use you. That's not a person that accidentally used you. Spitefully. That means that they thought about it. <laughs> they meditated on it. They knew. They said, you know what? I'm going to use brother so-and-so or sister so I'm going to take advantage of them. And your God says, pray for them. Pray for them too. <laughs> oh, God. And he, of course, he takes it a step further. I think he says something about persecute too, right? Pray for the one to persecute you too. He says, uh, you know what persecute means? To harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict. That's the person that persecutes you. He says, by the way, pray for them too. How many know this is anti-world all the way around? Amen. But here's the good news. Everybody say good news. So we, gotta, we can't leave it there. We got to bring you up. Amen. We got to bring you up. Because how many know it's a beautiful thing to be identified with your daddy? Yes. We love to be called children of God, right? I'm a child of God. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, John said, behold, what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we are called the children of God. God's son and daughter. I belong to God. He's my daddy. He's my father. 
He's my provider. He's my Jehovah Rapha. He's my Jehovah Jireh. He is my everything. Jesus, my God, my daddy. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything that's in it belong to God. So when your neighbor want to show off of what they got, you just look at them and say, that's belong to me. Yeah, that belong to God. My daddy owns all that. You don't really own nothing. He letting you use it. Hallelujah. Because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. How I many know you got everything? Ah, it's good to be a part of God's family. It's good to be called a son and a daughter of God. Some of us were called sons of something else back in the day. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But God delivered you from that. You're a son of God. You've been changed. You've been set free. I said it because it's true. It's true. Some of you have been called all kinds of, come on somebody, you grew up, you, some of you grew up in abusive environments. You grew up in homes where people called you all kinds of stuff, but God stepped in the picture. But God, Amen. but God says you're mine. He cleans you up. He picked you up. He says you're my son. You're my daughter. Amen. Act like my kids. Walk with me. Hallelujah. So, you know all that stuff Jesus said about uh, bless those that persecute you and don't curse them and do good to them and, 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 and love your enemies, all that stuff? He says, here's the reason. Here's the reason right here. Are you ready? Okay. Here's the reason right here. Look, look, look at verse number, where am I? I keep getting lost. I keep getting lost. Look at this. In verse number 45, he says, watch this. That you may be sons and daughters of your father in heaven. All right? So here's what Jesus is saying. Now, you remember what we said earlier. In recent weeks, we said that God, that the Bible says, Jesus says, that men will know that you're my disciples because we have love for one another. You remember that verse? So the world knows, number one, the world knows that we belong to Christ because there's mad love that we have for one another. Look at the neighbor and say, I got mad love for you. Come on, tell them with conviction. I got mad love for you. If you're married, look at somebody else and tell somebody, yeah, I got mad love for you. Let them know it. He said, men would know that you're my disciples because you have love. But watch this. He didn't stop there. Men would also know that you're his disciples. Watch this. Because you love your enemies. I ain't get a whole lot of amen on that one. Amen. Ain't but that what the scripture said. Y'all don't believe it. Let's read it. Pray for those who hate you, who, those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father. Now, I want you to understand something, what he's saying here. He's not saying that in order to be a son of God or be in his family, you have to love. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that it's because you are a part of God's family, because you are his children, Love your enemies. Bless them. Take care. I mean, figure out a way to let them know how much you love them. Now, it's not the same love as brotherly affection, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But, but, but how many you know that what God is really, in essence, is saying is that when people think about you as my kids, they think of you as a person to love everybody. And that includes, because he says, here's a follow verse. He says, because he makes his rain, he makes it rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what Jesus is really saying there? 
God not only loves you, who are his. He said he loved your enemies too. I mean, when Jesus came into the earth, you remember who, who, where he was going? You remember who, what he went after? God so loved the world. But he went into some tough places, didn't he? And he dealt with some hard people. But Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I wish I had time. I would take you over there uh, to, uh, to Hosea. I wish I had time. I don't have time. I, I wanted, but, but, but you ought to go read that. It was a, Hosea was a man of God, and God told Hosea, I want you to go, and uh, I want you to marry a prostitute. Mm. Somebody said her name was Gomer. And then the brother had to end up going back and buying back the woman that already belonged to him. How I many know you? you and he told Gomer, he, he, he told Jose, I, said, I want you to go, go back and get her now. Go, go back and get her. How I many know when you go back and get her, you know, it ain't a clean place that he's going. How I many you know Jesus, Jesus came back for us, amen? How I many you know we were Gomers, prostituting with the world? dug deep in with the world and God said to his son said go get mine back and, 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 and Jesus watch this and, and, and Hosea had to pay a price to get his wife back I mean, no, Jesus had to pay a price to get you back but you already belong to God but Jesus went to get you back he paid the price he spilled his blood so you sitting up here today you ain't prostituting and whore no more hallelujah you have been cleaned and washed in his blood I wish I had time, but I got to keep going. So, Justin Hosea, you can read that. That's, that's powerful. So, he makes it rain on just and the unjust. But then he goes on a step further. He says, now, I'm paraphrasing in verses 46 through 47. We're almost done. He, he says this. He says, now, he says, you don't get no reward. I'm paraphrasing. You don't get a reward just because you love people that love you back. <laughs> he says, he says uh, unbelievers do that. People who don't know God, who don't have the power. How many, how many understand the power of God? It, it, it's, it's powerful. It, the power of God moves things. Jesus said, you don't get no reward loving people and treating good people that love you and treat you good back. He said, that ain't no different than what everybody else. How many know people in the world do that all the time? I mean, it's easy. Ain't no problem, man, loving people who don't love you. But, but Jesus, you get no reward. He said, but why are you sitting there patting yourself on the back like you're doing something great? He, 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 he said, no, 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 no. The power is loving the unlovable. That's where the power is. You really want people to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Why do you love, what's up with you? How, how, do you understand how I treated you? Do, do you understand? I mean, our love is to be so deep that the unbeliever or your enemy will look back at you and say, what's wrong with you? You must be crazy. I'm crazy in love with Jesus. And he's giving me the grace not to go upside. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> See, I just threw my whole message out of water. No, that's y'all just scratch that. It's, it never happened. Like in the courtroom, you know, let's scratch it from the record. Amen. He never said it. But you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> But there's, when we love the unlovable, that's power, baby. That's power right there. That's a strong witness to the world. 
Because, because everybody in the world don't think that way. Jesus said, you don't get no kudos because you love it. But, but do me a favor. Try loving somebody who hates your guts. Do that. Try loving somebody who's been plotting on you, who's been assassinating your character and lying on you. Try loving them. Try loving them that's mistreated you and abused you. Do that and then come back and let's talk. Then I would say, oh, now, 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 you are my son. You are my daughter because, boy, you love your enemies. <laughs> ah, that's good. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 12. This is the last verse we're going to turn to and we're done. Romans chapter 12. All right, now, nobody in here, because I know y'all are saved, holy, you love God, sanctified. Nobody here has ever thought about getting revenge, amen? I didn't hear nobody say nothing. I wonder why it got a little quiet. Yeah, sometimes, you know, a little revenge action. You know what I'm talking about, revenge, payback. Shall we go to the word? Y'all in Romans chapter 12? Look at verse 17. He's, <laughs> I mean, Jesus don't give you no way out. <laughs> so you're trying to get a way out, forget it. You got to deal with this thing. We got to deal with this. He says, repay no, e repay no one evil for evil. All right? He's made that clear. In other words, if they do evil to you, don't try to get them back. Don't do it. He said, have regard for good things. Everybody say good things. Good in the sight of all men. That's so everybody can see it. When they see you talk about you, they want to hear and talk about you as not being a person that strikes revenge, but a person that's always doing good to your fellow man. Now, watch this. In verse 18 of Romans chapter 12, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, not on them, right? God, I mean, no, you, you and I, as Christians, we're accountable to God for our actions. See, I can't control what Brother Larry do. I may want to, but I can't control him, but I can control me. If I lose control or lose my temper, whose fault is it? I said, whose fault is it? It's my fault. Well, you ever hear people say, well, they made me lose it. No, they didn't. They didn't make you lose nothing. You lost your temper because you're fleshly at that moment. You gave in to the temptation. He says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. All right? This is, this is a command. Don't go back and try to get them back. I know they did you wrong. And we can sit down and write a book on how bad they did you, but don't get them back. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, watch this, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So when he says leave place to wrath, that's just a neat way of saying get out of the way and let God handle it. Get out of the way and let God handle it. Leave place to wrath. In other words, don't you try to strike back. Let God do it. Let God deal with your enemy. Now watch this. Let's keep reading because... We're going to shatter some misunderstandings here. It says in verse 19, but do, uh, let's, let's look at that verse again. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I can take comfort in that. God said, I'll take care of it. 
Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. If your enemy is hungry, do what to him? If they're hungry, if they want a Coke, if they want a steak, if they want Ruth Chris, Morton's, feed them. Some of you said, no, I ain't going that far, Pastor. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm trying to help y'all out. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Don't let him thirst. Let him, let him, look, give him water. Give him, give him fruit punch. Give him a Coke. Give him lemonade. Give him kiwi strawberry. Give him your most expensive bottle of water you can find. <laughs> see, I had to say that because some of you will be thinking, see, we automatically go to the lowest common denominator. You know how we think. We go low. We just give him something to drink, man. Just throw it at him. Give it to him hot. <laughs> Not even cold. Here, take it. See, that's why I had to do that. See, I had to kind of bring you because I know. Well, I, actually, y'all don't think that way. I'm sorry. Okay, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If your enemy's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, watch this, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, here's what a lot of people think. Christians, y'all know Christians sometimes. We just wrong. Y'all know this. You know what some people think that mean? Here's what what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep blessing them. I'm going to keep doing real good to them. Because every time the, the, the better, the more good I am to them, the more I'm heaping up wrath for God to take them out. Some of y'all laughing because you know this, I, you know what I'm saying. Because that's what people take that verse to mean. Oh, heap coals of fire. That means, that mean, man, I, the, the, I'm just going to keep doing good. And you smile and giving them stuff. But the whole time you're just saying, oh, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. That's not what that means. <laughs> that goes against the whole thing that Christ taught, right? I mean, that doesn't even fit. Doesn't fit. That when, it doesn't mean that at all. And some of you, let me help you a little bit. There was an old Egyptian custom that they had, old ancient Egyptian thing they had, that whenever somebody was sorry for something that they did, they did something bad, they would take a pan of of coals, hot coals. And the hot coals was kind of representative of their pain and their anguish and their shame for what they did. And so they would walk around with the hot coals to demonstrate their shame and and, and, and the pain for what they had done. So they would have these hot coals, and that's what it was. And so, so here's, what, here's what Paul's saying, that we want to do so, we want to treat people so right. We want to love our enemies so good that, that, that in the end that they will look at us and they will be ashamed for how they treated you. You will shame them. Heap coals of fire. You will shame them, and they will be like, I feel bad, man. You know, you just keep blessing me. I can't do it. You keep blessing me like this. I'm sorry. Give you another verse to help you out with that. Write this down. 1 Peter 3, 16. This is a verse. Having a good conscience. Everybody say good conscience. That when they defame you as an evildoer, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. It has to do with, it has to do with shaming them, bringing them to a point of conviction. We don't wish bad on our enemies, amen? I said we don't wish bad on our enemies. We pray for them. That's the spirit of Christ. We pray for our enemies because they're lost. You got to remember the people are acting the way that they're acting. They're doing what they're doing because they don't know Christ. You know them. So you say, how many know we want to walk like it, right? 
so that we can maintain our place of influence. And so when God finally do open their heart, they'll come to you like my old boss did many years ago who was after my life, who tried to take me under, who did it publicly, humiliated me to one day that, and I had ample opportunities when he, when he cursed my wife in front of a whole bunch of people. In roll call, I'll never forget it, I was in roll call. And uh, for those who don't know, I was a police officer. Oh, I still am a detective. So I'm in roll call, and he says a, a horrific thing, and everybody put their head down when he said what he said, and everybody thought, ooh, you know, everybody tried to do like this. Like, I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that, and I heard it. And there was some concern that I was going to run back, tell the boss, and get him, his boss, you know. But I didn't. I just went home, cried to the Lord, said, Lord, you know, this was humiliating for me. And I told the Lord how I felt. I said, Lord, I really hope you get him. But then God, Jesus, brought me back to a point, even in my prayer life, he softened my heart. He softened my heart that I began to pray for his salvation. Probably about a year later, I don't know exactly the time frame, because it's been so many years ago, he calls me, he says, he says, he said, Gary, I want you to meet me. He shot me a message to the computer, meet me. And I thought I was in trouble. Like, here we go again. You know, something. And he calls me and he looks at me, gives me this look and say, do you see something different about me? I said, No. And he says, uh, this is a guy who didn't go to church, didn't know anything about church, didn't hang around church people, blaspheming God's people all the time, looks me in the eye and tells me, I gave my life to Jesus. I just wanted you to know that. Let me tell you something. I sit in the car. My, I mean, everything in me, I mean, shrunk. And I just, and, and you know, and it changed my whole perspective. Because I could have went back and tried to get him, but I didn't. I loved him and I prayed for him and God saved him. How do you know that's a much better deal for your enemy to be saved and to see him destroyed? So how are you going to handle your enemies now? Maybe you heard this message this morning. You realize you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I, I, Pastor, I blew it. Actually, I just, I just the other day, I went back at him. I went back at her. I took matters into my own my own hands passing, I'm ashamed. Well, today is your day for redemption. Amen. Every, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Every eye is closed. I want to do, pray two things this morning. I, I want to pray. First, the altar is a place of change. I know we ask people to come to the altar. And this is our altar for now. And Many times people don't want to come, I think sometimes because people don't want to seem like they're the only ones. But Jesus is your personal Savior. And everybody that Jesus ever called, he always called them publicly. Not to humiliate them, but to bless them. And you want, and by coming up front and acknowledging your problem, you give encouragement to other people that are struggling in those areas. It's not just about you. And so if you've heard the Lord's voice this morning, it's every person here, and you know in your heart that you have not responded well to your enemies and you want to confess that thing before God today you want to get it right you want to make amends just slip your hand up will you please I see that one hand is there another don't be afraid this is a safe place I see a second hand I see a second hand is there another so Lord I I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, but I haven't responded well in this area in my life. 
You who raise your hand, I want you to repeat after me. This is you and God. Lord Jesus, forgive me for taking matters into my own hands. Lord, I pray for my enemy that you would help them to see your love, your grace. And Lord, that you would use me to be a witness to those who mean me no good. Forgive me, Father. I repent right now. I have a change of heart and a change of mind. And I'm giving over my frustrations, my anger, my fears, and my doubts. I give them over to you today. In Jesus' name.